Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Dr. Michael Grosso is our special guest. He is a teacher, author, and painter whose interests span physical, psychical research, metaphysical art, the parapsychology of religion, and primarily philosophy. For more information about Michael Grosso, visit consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. Michael, the second book that we were talking about briefly so far this hour is your second new book, The Final Choice. Tell us about that book. Well, that, that's a funny story about that is that that's the first book I published. Uh, and uh, it, 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 I, I got an invitation from an English publishing house mm-hmm. to reprint it. And I, and I published that book in the 1986 and at the peak of the nuclear sort of tensions and all yeah. that. And uh, so I said, sure, I'll do it, but you've got to let me revise it <laughs> and renew it and update it. And all. Mm-hmm. I said, no problem. So what I did was I cut the book in half and uh, and focused on the main message that I wanted and updated it. But so what this book is about is an attempt to, uh, is being my first book, and I had just learned about the near-death experience. Uh, so I got very interested in survival research, and I wrote my dissertation at Columbia about Plato and his philosophy of life after death. So I was ready for that. And anyway, I, what, I, what the book is about is, is it's an attempt to uh, revise or create in light of, a, of the new, new scientific uh, attempts to understand the meanings of consciousness and the evidence of the supernormal and the evidence of life after death. I tried to put it all together and, as it were, create a kind of a, uh, what, I, what I call, the phrase I use, a mythology of transcendence. And that includes the whole realm of uh, you know, the, the miraculous, the evidence for life after death, all of that that was, so to speak, challenged, if not wiped out by the scientific revolution, but in a renewed form that everybody today, you know, in a, in a secular culture can understand and appreciate. So in the course of the book, uh, I, I examined different kinds of evidence for survival. And the, there's one other major theme, which I'll just summarize in a sentence or two. And that is that the I took a great interest in the near-death experience because I got this. I began to see it as a metaphor, not just for what happens to an individual, but for but for what happens in situations or might, what might even happen to us on a collective scale. And there are lots of reasons which I go into in the book where that led me to this thinking. But the big idea, I guess, of the book is that. As we seem to be moving forward toward increasingly dangerous situations, uh, climate change, uh, catastrophic uh, promises of that, Mm -hmm. the growing risk of nuclear war, the growing gap between the rich and the poor, which means global instability, what the book does is speculate on the the notion in, in a kind of, abstract but realistic way on the idea of a collective or global near-death experience. And maybe this is just my fantasy or my hope, (laughs) that as we human beings get closer to committing irretrievable or irreversible damage on ourselves and the planet through nuclear war or climate catastrophe, whatever, uh, that that a, a process similar to the one that takes place in the individual, may begin to take place on a, uh, on a wider scale amongst people. I can't, and I don't try to uh, predict how that will take place, but the general idea is that the latent potential for transformation of consciousness seems to come forth usually in a crisis. It could be illness, sure. uh, loss of someone you love, or... Uh, or, or near death, you see, or, or, or any kind of a crisis where your ordinary self is torn apart, and for a moment there, the magic, the opening up of the soul takes place. And I have this idea that the worst, as the worst seems to approach us, 
the best may happen. And, and, and I try to make a rational case for it. Uh, it. I'm not pretending to be a prophet or making any predictions. I'm just describing possibilities. And so it's both critical and optimistic, uh, my book. So what sort that, of arguments... So what sort of arguments and evidence exist that support the belief in life after death? Well, now that's an interesting question, because it turns out there are... Uh, one of the things that strikes me, uh, Rob, that's so interesting about your question is because there are many answers. There are lots... It, it's rather surprising, if you think about it, that there are lots of different ways that people have experiences that seem to imply that somebody has survived the death of their body. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, for example, quite apart from the near-death experience, the spontaneous near-death experience, which can take place in many ways, but you have, and, that, and there are good reasons to take that as evidence, and I'll take a little time to explain why it's evidence, but um, then you have things like uh, spontaneous apparitions of people who are not near death. Uh, you have famous cases like the case of a guy who uh, appeared to his son and told him where a hidden will was, that he, that, that, that he the dead man, was unable to, to make legal before he died. And, then, and he, des- he described where this hidden will was. Nobody knew it was there but the dead man. Hmm. And the apparition conveyed the whereabouts of this hidden Well, that's kind of a cake, but good little bit of evidence there, I would say. So stuff like that. So apparitions, veridical apparitions. Then you also have a rich literature of mediumship, uh, and especially during the golden age of mediumship in, in the late 19th century and early 20th century among the English psychical researchers. So you have mediumship, you have apparitions of the dead, you have reincarnation memories, and that mm-hmm. stuff has been worked on in the re- recently, since the 1960s. I happen to hang out with people who do this research uh, on, on reincarnation, uh, Jim Tucker and all that. Right. So you have all of these different forms. Then you have people who have uh, out-of-body experiences mm-hmm. that convince them. After all, if you can leave your body even while you're, while you're living and see things and observe things at a distance from your body, that's a hint that you can exist separate from your body. It may not be proof of life after death, but it, it's a big step in that direction. So that's my point, uh, that, uh, that uh, if you have all kinds of evidence and you pile it all up. It's very difficult to dismiss it. It may not convince you absolutely. But only the, the hard-nosed, you know, closed mind uh, is going to just say, no, none of this means anything. Uh, I myself have been literally attacked by a ghost in a haunted house, physically attacked. So you ask me if I believe in ghosts? <laughs> I don't believe in them. I know they exist. Yeah. One of them jumped all over me and paralyzed me. Uh, so, you know, people have experiences, and uh, we ought to listen to these stories and Maybe, you know, try to construct a new, a new vision based not on the doctrines that are handed down, stale beliefs from an old-time religion. I got nothing against religion, but nothing. But well, let's 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 face like, it, Michael. Yeah. Let's let's face yeah. it. Yeah. You are, you are a scholar. You have a PhD in philosophy. You have been a teacher. You have written books. You have done research. So when you, Michael Grosso, tell me that you were attacked by a ghost in a haunted house, I believe you, based on your credibility. But there are so many yahoos out there who, who look at the investigation of the paranormal equal to the CB craze of the 60s. It's something to do. Let's all get in our car, put our CBs on, meet at the coffee shop, and talk to each other a car length away. Right, right, right. So I, I think right. that, for example, within the city of Los Angeles, the southern part, there's 1,500 paranormal groups that call themselves ghost hunters. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And yet, with well, all of their experience they do not have one-tenth of the credibility that you have. So if I hear from them I was attacked by a ghost, I'll say, "Uh uh-huh. But Uh you, with your expertise, 
being a professional, you tell me that you were attacked, I will believe you. And I think this is the problem within the realm of paranormal investigation and the study of parapsychology, because it has turned into a socially accepted thing to do, and I believe the Internet has spawned most of it. Yeah, I guess I'm less aware of that. Yeah. You are, Rob. I mean, because you're obviously doing a show uh, on this, and uh, but I can believe that. And I would like just to say this: I had one little point. Sure. On the program about these sort of call them amateur or ghost hunters, okay? Mm-hmm. But there's a program on Netflix that I found very impressive called Paranormal Survivor. You know that? Yeah. You've seen that on? You have. Yes, I have. Well, I. I'm impressed by those people telling their stories, not by the weird sounds to make it sound spooky, you know, the series. Mm-hmm. These are ordinary people, and they're all slightly different. Yeah. They're all basically about haunted houses. And you read the same thing in the literature that was being published in 1705. Doctor, I, I hate before. to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. I'm going to have right. my, my okay. daughter, I'm going to have our, our segment producer get a hold of you, get you back on so we can continue this conversation. But until then, stay well, Michael. Great having you on the show, and I look forward to the next time you join us back here in the X-Zone. Well, that's terrific. Thank you. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself, my friend. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiak's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Wilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Exonation, Dr. Michael Gross was our special guest. He is uh, the author of two new books, Wings of Ecstasy and The Final Choice, 
For more information, visit www.consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. Um, can you say something about the reasons anybody should believe that Joseph had really, in fact, levitate? What is the significance of this? Yeah, well, there are two things, two questions there. One is the evidence, and the evidence is actually rather simple. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to observe mm -hmm. somebody rise off the ground. Exactly. You know, it's not a medical mystery. And here is, here is the, the answer in as concisely as can be. Thirty-five years of eyewitness testimony have been accumulated uh, in the archives uh, scattered all over various places in Italy that uh, uh, Joseph stayed, because they kept moving him around because he was a problem. So, uh, for example, he spent 16 years uh, in uh, his hometown before they moved him out, and someone there, a, a, a scholarly priest, was recording his levitations, and he reached and he was witnessing many of them and getting reports from people who had seen him, and often many people, you know, while he was saying Mass. Mm -hmm. He collected 70, and he stopped. He said, what more do I need? This guy can do this stuff, I mean, which makes a lot of sense. It turns out we have all together, because then they move him away, at least 150 eyewitness sworn testimonies from people uh, all over Italy, some uh, out of outside of Italy, uh, popes, uh, surgeons, even inquisitors who were suspicious about him, uh, ordinary people, of course, uh, politicians. The king of Poland came all the way to visit Joseph and was deeply in awe of him and wanted to become a priest rather than a king. There's a whole interesting story there. And uh, so... I witnessed testimony by many, many people uh, over a period of 35 years. There is no doubt. No rational person could possibly doubt this. Look, I can see how a medium in a dark room claims to levitate, and the skeptics can say, come on, it's in the dark room, sure. it's full of expectation. Yeah, sure, we can dismiss that. You cannot dismiss 35 years of eyewitness testimony. So that's, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, the evidence for the reality. And incidentally, it's not only Joseph. There are about 250 Catholic saints alone for which there is reasonably good evidence of levitation. But Joseph is the all-time champ. Okay. So now the, question, the next question is, who cares? <laughs> well, I, there are three reasons that I would say off the top of my head. Uh, not off the top of my head. Three reasons reasons. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, one of them, of course, is simply uh, the challenge to physics. I mean, how is it possible, you see, for this to happen in mm -hmm. the physical reality where we thought levitation was one of the, where we thought gravity is one of the basic forces of nature? Uh, so then there is also the question of uh, psychology. What kind of, what does this tell us about the human, about human consciousness? if it can be in a state of ecstasy and cause these shifts of gravitation to take place. Nobody understands how this is possible. And finally, and I'm being, being very concise here in answering your question, thirdly, I would say, for the theory of religion, we'll put it that way, I, mean, I don't approach these phenomena as a, uh, a proselytizer for any particular religion. I'm interested in the whole of humanity. And, and, and human potential as a whole. And uh, so, but nevertheless, uh, religious scholars today, I am told by friends of mine that are re religious scholars, or scholars of religion, mm -hmm. they like to be called, uh, uh, maybe about 2 or 3% of them have any religious beliefs. And they, most of them, 98% of them, will dismiss the whole idea of miracles as absurdity. I'm afraid they're, they're in error because there are phenomena that, uh, you don't have to call them miracles, but they are anomalous mm -hmm. phenomena. And uh, I like to call them miracles, but only in the sense that a miracle, the root of the word miracle, it comes from a Latin word that means to wonder at. And phenomena that make me wonder, <laughs> uh, I don't 
know how these things are possible. A religious person will say, God made it possible. Fine. I'm not, I, I don't know. Who am I to tell, to say? What I do know is that these are real phenomena, and they're a challenge to science. And that's why I am interested in exploring them. That's not the whole story, but that's at least part of why I'm interested. So why would... Why would St. Joseph have to be moved around? Why wasn't he kept in one place? Why wasn't this accepted and, and understood as part of something great, as a, as a mystery, uh, instead of something that was shamed upon? It makes no sense to me. Well, I, I, I think I can explain. It was regarded as, uh, as a mystery, and one of the reasons that they claim to keep moving him around and keep him in solitude, virtually under house arrest, mm-hmm. is to preserve for him the peace and solitude that he craved. The reason they kept moving around, moving him around, is because the moment it was known that San Giuseppe, uh, or rather Giuseppe, uh, because he wasn't a saint yet, uh, was in a particular town, you know, uh, uh, then people came from all over the place. There are accounts in various towns where they would climb on top of the church and smash holes oh my gosh. through the ceiling so they could watch. And they would come on to him. They would clamor to be touched by him, to be healed. And from the interesting narrative of the biography, the women women would approach him in all kinds of sometimes salacious ways. They were turned on. He was like a rock star. And, uh, and so they were basically protecting him, and he wanted to be left alone. But on this, at the same time, there was a kind of harshness in the way they sometimes treated him, uh, because it was, he was a problem. <laughs> and uh, it was also annoying to be around him, because he could read your mind. And, the, <laughs> and some of his superiors, I remember, this, I found it rather amusing, at one point in the biography, they, it's reported that they got together and said, uh, hey, Giuseppe, take it easy, exposing us like, you know, like little things that they might be saying, saying, supposed to be singing, and Joseph would be able to read their mind and know that they were thinking about dinner or something, and then he'd catch them <laughs> out. You were thinking about dinner. And they were going, leave me alone. Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, he, he was a very... Uh, uh, provocative character. He had enemies. Yes. Several times people tried to kill him. Uh, they, some people thought he was demonically possessed. That's a very dramatic story. Why was he uh, sainted? I'm sorry? Why was he sainted? Ah, well, okay, that's a good question. Because it, it was a little difficult sainting him, mm-hmm. because um, partly because of the strangeness of his behaviors. Uh, he, for example, sometimes levitated backwards. And this was completely disturbing to everybody in sight because it just seemed, why disturb, why levitate up in the air and then backwards while you're saying mass? <laughs> that, that's a, you know, a screw-up. And uh, so, uh, I mean, that, that, was, that was the, uh, the, the, there was resistance to, 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 to Joseph there. And that was, what, was it, what was the last? I lost a thread about last uh, point, the, the question that, that you that you posed. I, I was asking why he was sainted. Oh yeah, why, right, exactly. I, that, that, yeah. So, but, but uh, he, when it came to the uh, canonization process, everybody came forward and supported him in his uh, the, the typically conformist, so to speak, saintly virtues, mm-hmm. such as obedience and humility and being cared for people. He healed everybody. So he, he had all of the qualities, and he had a sort of a superhuman, exaggerated repulsion to any kind of material possessions. And that, too, would annoy the Church. Rich people would come by and they'd offer him money. And the, this is a poor, impoverished Church. And, and Joseph would say, keep it, I don't want it. And then his superior would say, hey, what'd you do that for? We could use a little help here. We can't even eat properly. And he would say, well, I won't touch it. I just won't even touch a, uh, a piece of silver. So that was also problematic. So, but when it came to assessing his sanctity, he seemed to fit 
with flying colors. He had all of the virtues, and then all that wild stuff uh, that he did uh, in terms of the paranormal, the miraculous. So uh, in about a year, and I forget, 10, 20, 30 years later, he was finally uh, uh, canonized. Fascinating story. And when we come back from this final break, Michael, I'd like to talk to you about the final choice. Sure. All right, ExoNation, Dr. Michael Grosso is our special guest this hour. He's the author of two new books out there, Wings of Ecstasy, that we've been talking about this segment. And when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to be talking about his other book called The Final Choice. And if you'd like more information on Dr. Michael Grossi, visit his website at www.consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. That's www.consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And if you, for all the information about The Exxon Broadcast Network, you go to www.xzbn.net. And for all the information about the Exxon Radio Show, how you can listen to past shows, our archives, and much information about the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology and everything in between, go to www.exxonradiotv.com. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. 
www.thepetshow.com. Whether you're a believer or whether you're a skeptic, join me, Rob McConnell, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern here in the X-Zone as together we investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology. And we're here Monday through Friday as well as on weekends. And you can find out all about the great programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Just go to the website, xzbn.net. Our broadcast schedule is there. And, uh, you know, even Dr. B, the one and only Bernie Biteman, is on the network seven days a week at different times so that listeners around the world can tune in at their convenience. My guest this hour is uh, Michael Grasso. And it's so funny, Michael and I were talking during the commercial break, and he was actually on Bernie's show, uh, which I produced. And it was like, oh, there's another synchronicity. There's a coincidence, Michael. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Michael. It's great having you back with us here in the Exxon. But why do you think, Michael, so many people today have shown such an interest in the paranormal, specifically when it comes to communication with the, with the dead and afterlife itself? Well, I, first of all, that's a very natural thing, too. I mean, we all uh, live under the shadow of mortality, and we... And we lose people that we mm -hmm. love. So we want to know what happens. Now, the tradition, until the modern age, and I can spell out the history. I'm sure you're familiar with the, the rough history of it all. Until the modern age, it was assumed by everybody, and I don't know why, either deluded or more insightful than modern people, but it was assumed that there was some kind of other world, whether you were a shaman in a primitive uh, culture or or, uh, you know, participant in one of the higher religions. But in the 17th century and the rise of mechanistic science, which led to modern technology and all the amazing things that are happening in our world today, uh, the idea of, of life after death steadily became less and less uh, plausible. And I've been actually doing some historical studies and noticing that people, right during the 17th century, when the, when the new mechanistic, materialistic mm -hmm. philosophy was emerging, there were people that, that were, were saying, no, 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 you're going too far. There are apparitions, there are experiences, there are precognitions. And it's been like that for 400 years ever since then. A minority of individuals who stick to the experiences that most people have, and the hard-nosed scientists want to reduce everything to the controllable, the predictable, and the calculable, and, uh, and tend to, you know, the majority of science is, tends to be reductive and materialistic. I'm not saying all scientists mm -hmm. like that. So, but there is a sort of a high-class prejudice against the idea of life after death. Although every now and then someone like a neuroscience like Eben Alexander, who's a friend of mine, Suddenly has you know near death experience and it blows his whole worldview. You see, <laughs> so again we, we come back to this idea of experience. Right. Uh, and um, but but it is irritating, I will say, in in a mild manner. Uh, I'm not in a fury over it, but it, it is a fact of cultural life today that um, if you press too hard certain types of claim that threaten too severely. The, the belief in the reductive sort of scientific philosophy of the day, you, you, you can lose a job, you can yes. be, you know, not, you can be misrepresented. Uh, on Wikipedia, for example, I have friends that they get, con I mean, I, I'm not going to put anything about, about the levitation of St. Joseph, because I know they'll take it away. Really? It's a fact. Yeah, oh, I know that. And I have proof of that with others. I, if you put anything on there that's, that contradicts or, or, or makes too strong a case for mm -hmm. the reality of the paranormal, it gets removed. So uh, that's why I have to, you know, we have to be independent. I mean, your program is an independent channel. Uh, and, and, you know, my blog is yeah. an independent channel. But there's a lot of resistance out there. And, that, and that's the main thing that I would say in reply to your question. But in spite of that, people have experiences all the time. You know, I worked... And, uh, uh, 
over the years, I've worked for different radio networks and uh, different affiliates, and it came to the point where the censoring became so ridiculous that I decided, I don't need this. I want to get the truth out there. So I, uh, 27 years ago, formed our own company, and, you know, I, I like to believe that our listeners right. and our hosts and our guests are, are free thinkers, and we're getting the information out there, and that's what it's all about. Absolutely. You know, it's a funny thing in the expression free thinker mm-hmm. used to be uh, used to describe atheists in, <laughs> in the early sort of 18th century. Right. You were a free thinker. You, you were a materialist, a progressivist, and all that. But uh, now, a free thinker is one who thinks freely about the whole of human experience, not just one uh, dimension of it. So it's interesting uh, uh, the way you use that word. We talked earlier about the two new books you have out now, Wings of Ecstasy and The Final Choice. Let's begin with Wings of Ecstasy. Can you tell us a little bit about St. Joseph and explain what you mean by levitation, since you brought it up in the reference you made about Wikipedia? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, Joseph of of Cupertino, uh, I'll just say this very concisely, uh, is probably uh, the most extraordinary uh, psychic and mystic for which we have eyewitness testimony for a whole range of extraordinary phenomena. And this came out at a period just at the point where the scientific revolution was occurring, mm-hmm. and the authors of the biography of Joseph that I translated were very aware of that. And they kept saying, oh, he kept saying, Bernini, the author of, that I translated, he kept saying, if I didn't have eyewitness testimony, you guys, no, none of my readers would accept this. So this is true. And, and so, all right, so Joseph was a uh, uh, born in southern Italy in the 17th century, 1603, and at, at, he just was a person who uh, his whole life in the beginning was about as miserable as you can. He was literally born in the stable, not just making believe, like the story of Jesus. Not that I know that to make believe, but uh, <laughs> literally born in the stable, right. miserable beginning, uh, viewed by many people as kind of retarded because he would hear music and his mouth would open. And, and wonder, and, and they call them bocca aperta, means open mouth, gaping mouth. But as it turned out, the way his life evolved, he was useless for almost anything that he did. He tried to be a shoemaker, failed completely. Uh, his mother was constantly, you know, uh, uh, speaking, uh, punishing him with words and so forth. But um, eventually, he made it, what, what he, he had this one gift. The one gift was to contemplate the mysteries, so contemplate, a, let's say, a, uh, particularly a picture or a painting of the Madonna mm-hmm. that really inspired him. And he would go into ecstasy. He was an ecstatic. It was difficult to keep him in a normal state of consciousness. Nowadays, people use psychedelics to get all calls it all the time. That's right. This was a man that seemed to have a genius for ecstasy. Now, once he eventually became a priest, uh, he um, it was almost as though he got a license because then his ecstasies changed into levitation. Now, levitation. What is levitation? It 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 refers to any movement of a physical body, living or dead, for which we have no normal physical explanation, or where uh, gravity seems to have been, you know, just forgotten, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, transcended, suppressed, uh, laid aside. So one type of, ex- of levitation that is famous among uh, gurus, saints, these Tibetans, as well as Catholic mystics, uh, and among mediums also, is full bodily levitation. And these are almost always associated with ecstasy, with being in a profoundly altered state of, uh, of mind. What the connection is, is part of the mystery, part of what en- engages my imagination uh, in trying to research this stuff. But uh, but as far as, I mean, the life of Joseph, the, his life, 35-year career as a priest, uh, was one of... Constant miracles. He was so 
spectacular. I mean, by the way, all the inadvertent, he prayed that these things would not happen. This is called attention to him. But he gained a reputation as a healer. People came from all over Europe to see him, to visit with him. He did his best to escape the fame because it disturbed his interior life. And um, so that that's pretty much the, the story of, uh, of Joseph. And he's uh, scholars agree that there is no figure about whom, certainly in the sphere of religious mysticism, for which there is more... Uh, really persuasive evidence uh, uh, for the great variety of this phenomena, and that's why I decided to do research, and I wrote two books about him as a result. Michael, please stand by you and I have to take our middle break for the news, and we'll be back yeah. after it. Michael Grosso, Dr. Michael Grosso, is our special guest for this hour, Exxon Nation. He has two new books out, The Wings of Ecstasy and The Final Choice. And if you'd like to find out more about Michael, visit his website, his blogspot, www.consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. Once again, that's www.consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. And uh, Michael and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast network and studios and corporate offices in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, Exxon Nation, this month we have a brand new show starting on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Ask Dr. Angelica with Dr. Angelica Wagner. And uh, I can assure you that it's going to be a fascinating show because, after all, this is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. One of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce, is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the X-Zone radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201 934-8986 934-8986 or Skype at Elizabeth.Joyce And for more information you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 
2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio Welcome to the X-Zone A place where fact is fiction And fiction is reality Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Check us out online at www.exxonradiotv.com. And for all the programming that we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exonation, is Michael Grosso. He is a teacher, author, and painter whose interests span psychical research, metaphysical art, the parapsychology of religion, and primarily philosophy. He received his PhD in philosophy and studied classical Greek at Columbia University, and he's taught at City University of New York, Marymount Manhattan College, and City University of New Jersey. He has published books on the topics ranging from life after death to the mythologies of end time. He presently lives in Charlottesville, Virginia, a beautiful little town, where he is affiliated with the Division of Personality Studies of UVA. On the board of directors of the American Philosophical Practitioners Association and reviews editor of its journal, Michael conducts wisdom seminars, discussion groups that apply philosophy to the problems of everyday life. The website is www.consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. And Michael Grasso, welcome to the Exxon. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Michael, what is it uh, that drew you to the areas of philosophy that, that you find yourself deeply involved in? Well, I think in a word I can I can reply, uh, and that is experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike uh, many of my co-students, let's say back when I was a graduate student at Columbia University, uh, I seem to have I mean I'm not utterly rare, but relatively rare type that have had all my life from time to time, right up until the present or recent times odd experiences that I simply can't explain. Hmm. Uh, things that you would uh, call telepathy or somehow knowing about events before they take place. Right. All kinds of odd physical things. So that's what really uh, opened me up uh, to the idea. Then when I was got into graduate school and uh, got into classes about the nature of the mind, what I noticed was a tendency toward sort of automatic acceptance of materialism as an explanation of everything, and I knew it was false, because uh, for many reasons, but I experienced things that no uh, materialist could possibly explain, but so that's how I pretty much got into. Then I got into reading other people's experiences, meeting researchers, and uh, uh, doing all kinds of uh, stuff, but that, the beginning of it is simply my own experience. Life experiences of another time, of another sense, or another way. You've you have two new books out now: Wings of Ecstasy and The Final Choice. The one book focuses on levitation, and the other remarkable physical phenomena associated with great saints and yogis. And the other is about experiences that indicate post-mortem survival and why that's important. Is there a connection between the two books? Is there a common theme? 
Well, uh, yes, I would say that my, my sense would be that, uh, first of all, they are complementary. Mm-hmm. In other words, the idea of life after death gains from the knowledge that the mind has these strange powers, but to overcome and resist the limitations of matter. But uh, in a word, uh, I would say that the the common underlying theme is the notion of transcendence. You know, that's a, I notice it's a word that's floating around more and more nowadays. Uh, all it really means to transcend in Latin is to climb over. But, you know, the general idea is that... Uh, you know, trans- we can transcend in many ways, but I have a specific sense in which I use the word, uh, not to exclude the other senses, but the specific sense is events or experiences that seem to go beyond the limits of what we can understand through physics, and therefore mm-hmm. something ultra-physical, extrasensory, supernormal, you know, all kinds of terminologies, uh, which uh, I try to be in control of rather than <laughs> let them control me, because a lot of these words have funny associations and people get turned off immediately. But uh, I, so, but I would simply say, in general, extraordinary, unexplainable kinds of experience, which point to unknown and not and not scientifically acknowledged powers of the human mind. So that, that, that would be a little summary of me uh, and my interests and how I got to write these books. You know, we're told by the neuroscientific community that we use at the very most 12% of our mind, or that they're able to understand only 12% of the mind. Doesn't it only stand to reason then, if we're only using 12%, that there's a lot more that we could be using that we're unaware of that we're using, and therefore we don't even accept it as part of real life, and it has to go into the realm of the paranormal because we can't understand what's going on. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know about the percentage. I would mm-hmm. put it in a slightly different way. I would say that, uh, in fact, you've really hit on the essence of my main interest, and that is to try to remind people, uh, you know, I was a teacher for many years, I've stopped now, that they have mental potentials, capacities, abilities, uh, call them spiritual, call them moral, right. call them aesthetic, call them cognitive, but there's more to us mm-hmm. than we normally believe and know. And, and so, uh, yeah, a percentage uh, that's a fraction of our, of our potentialities are being exercised. And the more we are reminded, I believe, of what's there, what's potential, I think the greater the likelihood that we kind of liberate these hidden potentials. Uh, even just talking about, I found that just talking about, I remember reading a book about uh, coincidences years ago. Mm-hmm. And by the end of reading that book, I was seeing coincidences yeah. all over the place, interesting ones. Just by thinking, bringing yeah. the concept into my mind, the world starts to light up in different ways. We have uh, a show on the network that is called uh, Connecting. Uh, connecting coincidences with Dr. Bernie Beatman. And I'll tell you something. Ah, Beatman. Yeah. Yes, I know Bernie's a friend, friend of mine. He, he, <laughs> I didn't know a, that you guys knew him. Yeah, he's not. got a show he on did. our network, and in fact, I produce it for him, and we've become very good friends. And the, oh, the number of people who are, who are awakening because he's getting this message out there, and people are saying, well, wait a minute, uh, uh, something like that happened to me, and I didn't know what it was, and... I thought it was only something that happened to me, and, and the light comes on when this information right. is shared. And I think that's right. something very important that you are doing with the great work you're doing, sir. Well, thank you, and that, that's very much... And what I've found that uh, I, more and more, that if you simply ask people mm-hmm. about their experiences, they'll open up, because I mean, again and again, I have a friend, he's a Japanese uh, psychical researcher, who talks to children. And when you start asking children about the right questions yeah. about things that they are experiencing, you get amazing results. And I've realized you can do the same thing with adults and not be shy about it, you know, because most people like to talk about coincidences, dreams, sure. unusual experiences. So it's a nice way to get a conversation going. It is, and what it does is, that, in my opinion... It opens up the door to other possibilities. It opens the door to the conversation, to the feeling that the people who may have suppressed their 
their interests, suppressed their experiences, because they have felt alone, find comfort and share the experiences. And it's like the domino effect that it keeps on growing and growing and growing and growing. I absolutely agree. I mean, there is a repression. Mm-hmm. And the repression is particularly evident uh, in the uh, in the more, let's say, established areas of consciousness. Uh, I mean, ordinary life is one thing. Yes. But uh, to get, uh, I mean, I have know about this from personal experience. I've written on a PhD and all that. Nevertheless, I have encountered, I could do a show with you just about the experiences I've had of resistance, irrational resistance to simple reports of historical fact or or experiences of my own. Not everyone is like that, though. There's lots of open-minded people out there. Well, I'm going to take you up on that uh other show that you just talked about, because I believe that the information has to get out there. And I, this is one of the reasons why I've been doing the show for 27 years now. Mm-hmm. To get, the, to get the, the stories, the information, the experiences that people have out there so that people will say, you know what, I've had an experience like that too. I'm not strange. I can share. I can talk about it. And it's just a matter of, if you'll excuse the... Uh, the expression, bringing the people out of the closet. You and I have to take yeah. a commercial break. Uh, please stand by. Exonation, our guest this hour, is Michael Grosso. And his website is consciousnessunbound.blogspot.com. And we'll be back on the other side, continuing our investigation into the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. And don't forget, you can listen to Dr. Bernie Beitman, who is the host of Connecting coincidences here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Just go to www.xzbn.net, check the schedule, and he is heard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. 
Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D O W S E R S.com or call 1 877 Dowsing. That's 1 877 369 7464.